Welcome to Monster, Dear Monster, a multimedia monster podcast. I'm your host for this evening, Cameron, and I'm joined as always by my two wonderful co-hosts. I mean, I would consider Dave the founding host personally, but I'm the actual one hosting tonight, so I guess I'm in charge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm the real host. Yeah, yeah, Dave, no, Dave's Spartacus. the real host. <laughs> I'm Spartacus. <laughs> I am the usurper. Lord underscore plus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, on the subject of Dave, Dave, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. How's it going over there? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It was looking like we were going to have a storm earlier, but it rained like very slowly for a couple of minutes and then stopped. So there's all this energy in the air that just hasn't been released yet. It's very annoying. Uh, so like, I hope it storms. Slow motion rain. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> it's it's just like one. It's like one big fat drop at a time. Is what it sounds like at least. Spears uh, <laughs> <laughs> of rain. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine yeah, water it's... balloons, but there's no balloon. That is actually that quite accurate. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, uh yeah, that's that's me. Uh Matt, how are things over your end? Hello, How's yes. Um well supposedly we've got more snow on the way. Oh, Hooray. Boy. Even though it's okay. almost April. Yeah, this will be our <laughs> but yeah, whatever. He'll, I think we, we've got used to it now. But, um, yeah, I'm actually really excited. Ask me why I'm excited. Why am I excited? Why are you excited, Matt? That's a good question, Cameron, because after this recording, I'm going to watch Pacific Rim Uprising. Yes. Oh, man. I'm super excited That's, for that. Yeah. Oh, I, I, is it out this weekend? I didn't even realize. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, I saw Grace blowing up on Twitter about how much she liked it, so... It looks amazing. Too bad I'm looking mm, forward to weekend. <laughs> oh, Dave. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Sunday night. I think I have time. Yeah. yeah. I'll Do probably it. go watch it over the Easter long weekend. Hmm? All right. Probably go watch it over the Easter long weekend. Yeah. Good. And then we'll just talk about it the weekend after. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's fresh in our memories. Might as well. I mean, I guess that's our plan. Sometime in the immediate future, listeners, you've heard it here first. I don't know where else you would hear it first. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll make uh, sense because it's, it's almost our anniversary, so it'll be nice to yeah. tie in. That's oh, yeah, pretty, that is true. pretty timely that we'll, we'll tie in uh, yeah. a sequel to Pacific yeah. Rim. Yeah, you know, when I wrote Guillermo del Toro that letter, I didn't think he'd actually change his schedule to suit us. But, I uh, know, he's a good lad, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's a good boy. Did you say you're with, a friend uh, of Kojima? Del Toro. Del Toro Totoro. Oh, I love Totoro-san. That was the cutest story out of that movie ever. Um. <laughs> Whoa. That was a bit of a thump there. Sorry, that's me and my drink. <clears throat> ah. Sorry, I'm, I'm really fidgety. I don't know why. I think it's because I'm, I'm watching Pacific Rim later. That's why. Yeah, he's excited. <laughs> You meant to have a paintbrush in your hands is what it is. <laughs> yeah, true. That's Get true, out there. Go give those men their primer. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I got. St- I know. I do, I do have that to do at some point. But no, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm on the old um, black currant nectar here. Well, oh. black currant uh, squash. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So I'm, yeah. No, I'm, I'm fidgety. So I'm. I'm excited really about seeing yeah. big robots later. Oh man, I am looking forward to hearing all about it. Mm. Um. Well. Uh, keeping on the theme of things that make Matt excitable. Uh, oh, uh, it's that time again. It is our, uh, it is our most favored, most well-reported on segment. Uh, I did get a in-person report earlier in the week that uh, one of my coworkers loves yokai of the week. Do 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 do, and uh, so they should. They, you know, this is this is big time. For a lot of people, you know, this is this is what they look forward to, and then they <laughs> chime like out the afterwards. <laughs> they tune in, the yeah, the week, yeah, exactly. Oh man, so Way yeah, it's that having hard. ads, <laughs> but stay for the rest of the show. Stay for the rest. Yeah. Oh please, yeah, yeah, please, please do. You know, this is just this is just to warm your cockles up. This is what it's all about. Um, <laughs> oh, it'll warm the cockles of your heart. Yeah. So, yes, it's time for Yokai of the Week. Um, yeah, see, look, you can feel the enthusiasm there. Um, so, we're on the letter I for I don't know anything about Yokai. Am I in the right place, Governor? Um, <laughs> yes, you are. Um, <laughs> generic Cockney. Um, please, you are in the right place. Yokai? <laughs> yeah, please, sir. <laughs> I'm hungry for Yokai. Um, so, <laughs> Luckily, you've got 10 to 11 to choose from under the letter I. So, uh, mm-hmm. with that, Dave, roll them. Oh, solid roll. Six. Six. Four, five, six. Isonade. No. Nope. This one should have an entry. Yeah. Yeah, this one. Oh, this one has a woodcut. Oh, fancy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just the first line of this Wikipedia. Wikipedia? Wikipedia, Wikipedia page. Wikipedia. Yeah. There's, there's a brand. Um, the Isanade uh, brackets the kanji uh, in quotation marks for little translation, the beach stroker. <laughs> the stroker of beaches. Wow. That is, that is an interesting term. Uh, yeah. It's an, it's an enormous shark-like sea monster said to live off the coast of Matsuura and other places in Western Japan. Mm. So it, it honestly looks like it's just a big shark. Yeah, that's, that's which, what I'm, vibe I'm getting. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. According to the Ehon Hyaku Monogatari, its body has never been seen, Ooh. as it all, it's always hidden beneath the waves, save for its huge tail fin, which is covered in small barbs. In theory, uh, it approaches boats stealthily and uses its hooked tail to snare sailors and drag them into the sea, where it devours them. When it appears, fierce winds may blow. Oh, fierce winds do blow, I should say. It may also simply use its tail to capsize boats or strike the beach with its tail and kill people there. Which I guess is why it's called the beach stroker. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't muck around this one does it it's sort of straight no. to the point kills you no. with its barbed tail yeah oh. but where's the significance behind this one because usually there's something behind them that you know, well, don't... Uh, well it's a fishing I would, I would say like judging culture so 
yeah, I would honestly say like looking at the the image, it's probably actually just based on a real thresher shark, which I don't know if those live off the coast of Japan, but they have those incredibly long uh, tails that they do use to strike things. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, and to explain why the body is never seen. Uh, <laughs> they just see the tail tip poking out of the water, although I don't know if thresher sharks swim that high up. So I'm not particularly well educated in <laughs> certain sharks. <laughs> just general shark safety. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're waiting for your uh, educational video telling us about yeah. shark safety. Oh. Oh, so, yeah. Shark safety. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a quick breakdown. Shark safety. Don't swim at dawn or dusk or at night. Swim during the day when the sun is out. Don't swim next to seals. Don't swim next to people fishing. And don't wear bright yellow because that promotes hunger. <laughs> don't swim next to seals. Yeah. <laughs> like racing them. <laughs> I'll race you. Well, no, any area that they kind of just yeah. are hanging out for any given amount of time, just don't swim there, you know? <laughs> Swimming in open awesome. is awesome advice. discouraged. Yeah, that's also not a great idea. <laughs> like, you can do it if you really want, but, like, the salt water first is really going to hurt. Then, second of all, it may attract the shark. The Isonade also appears in uh, the video game Neo as one of the Guardians. Oh, spirits. yeah, it does. Mm. Oh man, I totally forgot about that. And that was a good one the, too. Uh, the Horror stat stops. to damage um, human enemies more than yokai. Yeah, enemies. yeah, yeah. Run with that for a while. That was pretty good. And, he's and yeah, and that is literally yeah, it's literally just a big blue shark big blue in that. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> <clears throat> mm. Well, oh, there we go. I believe that may have been uh, yokai. Of the week, it was Cameron. It was. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah. Uh, moving on from uh, sharks and related shark monsters, we're going to do something very similar. Uh, that's a lie. We're going to do something completely different. <laughs> I was like, no, this is nothing like a shark monster. <laughs> uh, the the only similarity here is that it's all being blamed on the Japanese. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, there's, so, uh, there's, there's fishing vibes in this one. Yeah, there's some fishing, you know. I saw I saw some fish uh, pre-cooked, though, so not really so much. <laughs> uh, no, uh, we're talking about The Whaling, which is a really good, in my opinion, uh, South Korean horror film from mm. 2016. Uh, just the quick summary is, it's about a policeman who investigates a series of mysterious killings and illnesses. It was a commercial success. <laughs> I'm not sure why that's on the opening paragraph of the Wikipedia page. Yeah. <laughs> Just to let you know. <laughs> and then yeah. another, another weird note that they always seem to do when they're um, mm. translating these into English. Um, yeah. The, the title Goksong is just the name of the village, so there was no reason to call it the ah. thing. They just could have kept the title, but maybe it just sounds yeah. too foreign, yeah. even though that's the name of a town. <clears throat> Or yeah, the, yeah. The, the actual village in the movie. To to be fair, like the the English title is what I would call uh, very accurate. Uh, there is <laughs> yeah. there is a lot of wailing. There's some people cry <laughs> in this film, one or two, mm. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, just for just for a small eighty five percent of the movie's <laughs> runtime, 
Yeah. And it's only I mean, about that, three hours long, so really. Yeah, yeah. I feel I should half. point out I did not look at the yeah, I did not look at the time it took when I went down, when I sat down to watch this movie. Uh I paused it near what I thought was the end because I really needed some water. So it's like I'll just pause it and as I paused it the timeline came up and it's like, oh, there's another one hour and forty eight <laughs> minutes left to this film. <laughs> It does have a runtime of 156 minutes. Uh, it is long. And and I don't think it felt long, but it definitely felt no. like it could have stopped. And yeah. yeah. But it wouldn't have resolved anything. Like, You're still just left going, okay, no, I guess no, that no. was about this. It could have done with maybe a little less padding. I guess there, there yeah. are bits and pieces you could clip out, but I don't think you could get it anywhere near under two hours. No, <laughs> no it, there's, I there's no, I too much uh, that it needed to actually explore to mm. to get to Definitely. the heart of the matter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's, let's just go with general impressions first. Dave, what's your uh, overall review, let's say? Uh, yeah, I really loved this movie. Um, I liked the cinematography. I liked the the music was good. The actual plot mm-hmm. was good. Uh, and it took some getting into. It definitely wove its, wove its way around a few different plot points and kind of misdirections. Um, but mm. that... Mm. It, it was a service to the film because you're sort of in the shoes of the main character. And He's just like yeah. confused and <laughs> trying to figure out what you know what's going on. <laughs> and, uh, you're you can, as the viewer, understand completely um, his confusion. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Like Dave, I really like this one. I, I mean, this is the second time I've seen it, and even watching it a second time, there's still little, there's nice little bits that you you sort of miss in the first one. And I think what I like it is because excuse me um i think i like it because it it isn't conventional in lots of different ways you've got a lot of misdirection especially in that sort of last third and i think it's especially and you know you've got some real the director was going for some real different things because you you know there's a lot of comedy moments in it but then there's some extremely Mm. serious and you know very creepy and uh moments as well and it you know, sometimes it's one of those as a, an audience, you sort of think, what, what's it actually trying to achieve? But I think once you actually get through it in the end, you actually, you know, it all comes together. I think it's a very subtle film in, in lots of different ways. Um, I love the main character. I think he's really good, even though he's, you know, even though he can be seen as very goofy, he, mm. you know, it, it, it suits the movie in a weird way. Um, I think there's a couple of bits that they could have shaved out of it, um, particularly the the zombie type scene that comes towards the end, um, which, you know, I know it has its point, but I think it was a bit felt a bit of a filler uh, situation. Um, but I think it, the payoff, I, the last sort of, I don't know, 45, 30 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> the last 400 minutes, um, you know, it's, it really does pay off. And I think, yeah, overall, it's a really good movie. Mm, mm. I definitely agree with it being a good movie. Uh, before this was my first time watching it. Uh, the only things I'd heard of it before this was when it came out, there were a couple of articles which uh, basically ran along the lines of, is the whaling racist against Japanese? Uh, and that was, that was kind of in my head, in the back mm-hmm. of my head when I was watching this. And there was a point 
at at what I thought was near the end where I went, oh, so this is the plot twist. It's not actually racist against Japanese people. <laughs> and then they plot twisted the plot twist. And I would still say it's not actually racist against Japanese people. It's just a Japanese monster uh, in a Korean film. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, you know, the part of the way through, I'm like, oh, uh, spoilers, by the way. Oh, you, so the, the Japanese man is actually, yeah, he is actually the good guy. He's not the evil guy. And then like an hour down the line, it's like, no, he was actually the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But then it's one of the bad guys. One of the bad yeah, guys. Yeah. One of them. And, and also, he, he could be seen as just being a vessel for the, the bad guy mm. because, in some ways, he's just a body, isn't he? He's just a Japanese man where it's actually the devil inside yeah. him. So, you know, the he's devil. just the devil. He's just the tool. <laughs> so, yeah. It, no, but you're right, though. It could be seen as being very xenophobic against mm. the Jap- Japanese, but it. But that's what's good about this. You sort of, you just need to keep, that's why it's over two and a half hours long. It's trying <laughs> to creep all these things into it and keep you guessing. Mm. Um, but no, the twists upon twists are great. But like you said, yeah, big spoiler alert. If you ever going to watch this movie, you need oh, to yeah. be wary of what we're about to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, just, so, I mean, the basic premise is this old Japanese man moves into a South Korean village and everything starts to go wrong. People are getting sick because they're sick. They're murdering their immediate family and then just kind of sitting there blank eyed and almost lifeless. Uh, they get a weird rash. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the local village gossip who appears to be a guy running like a, a bakery or a lunch shop or something. Uh, yeah. It's like a delicatessen, to, isn't it? Or yeah. A delicatessen like kind of place. Uh, he, <clears throat> he seems to have, a million and one different stories about what this Japanese man did to someone or other or other or other, <laughs> which I, re- I really like the flip-flopping on that because there's the main character is a police officer and um, there is another prominent police officer throughout the film, which is sort of his buddy, his partner. Mm-hmm. And it starts with the partner saying, Oh, did you hear about Byongyu? That was his name. Byongyu saying this and this and this about the Japanese guy. And, and the main character's like, nah, nah, that's just him running his mouth. Like always. And then half an hour later, the main character is going, oh, so Byung-gu said the Japanese guy did this, this, and this. <laughs> yeah, and his yeah, yeah. like, no, no, he's running. He's just <laughs> flopping back and forth. <laughs> Which honestly describes a, a lot of the film. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Well, it just highlights that, obviously, it's a very small little village, isn't it? It's a very secluded mm. area where it's obviously, you know, even the the main character and even the police officers there, they they feel like just members of the village, don't they? They don't feel yeah. like, you know, in some places yeah. the officers are, you know, segregated or whereas here mm. they feel like they're just Joe Bloggs who just happens to be a, you know, a mm. police officer. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, poor, poor old Joe Bloggs is doing all right. Uh, he's got a nice looking <laughs> house and a little compound and everything. And he's constantly late for work. Uh, which he blames on various family members apparently. <laughs> yeah. The mother in law, the daughter. <laughs> yeah. There was a there was a double homicide. I called told you being here an hour ago, oh my mother in law had indigestion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I like the fact when he had to get get out at first, he's like, Oh, get up. Was it I was being yeah. a double mother? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How inconvenient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably a common attitude <clears throat> among police forces yeah. if you've got to deal yeah. with that enough. Um. Oh yeah. How do we? How do we even go about breaking this down? Uh, it's such a long. <laughs> film. It's it's annoying when I looked it up and I and I saw it. It's called the Wailing. I thought, oh, it sounds like it says way long, and then like everyone else has already done that on the internet. 
Damn it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we should have gone in back in uh, 2016. Yeah, uh, I'm, two, I'm two years too late to the party. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's the basic premise is people in the village are getting sick and attacking other people. And sometimes it seems like they come back to their senses afterwards. Like there is, um, there's the woman who uh, gets sick kills her family and burns the house down, but then later hangs herself, which uh, is a bit different to a lot of the other sufferers who just kind of seemed permanently not quite zombified, but sort of zombified afterwards, you know, just kind of kept in the hospital. But to me, it didn't feel like they, I don't know if you two think mm. differently, but I, it just didn't feel like they truly explained that side of things. Yeah, um, it was yeah a bit... I agree with that. You know, you know that it's connected to the Japanese man and obviously what, you know, turns out to be the devil and things like that. But that, you know, the the rash, the fever and their actions seem a bit, I don't know, random? I don't, I don't know. I, I said, yeah. Dave, what do, you, do, you, yeah. do you think the same or? Uh, yeah, and it's, I think it's just different degrees of how, you know, they're being affected by this, or I guess, affliction. Mm. Um yeah. But you're right, it doesn't get into any of the particulars. And that's that's fine, because it, it keeps the feel as if it's folklore, but that's just happening to you. Mm. You don't mm-hmm. yeah. you don't really get yeah. to explain everything. You can kind of try to explain things away, but at the uh, you know, at the best, that's all you're doing is kind of Yeah. yeah. It's the same idea that, you know, these people are getting from the um secondhand tales. Or, you know, you know, people are like, yeah, the, the Japanese man is doing this or the, you know, it's all conjecture at their, at their mm. part two, at their level. Yeah. yeah. And that's what, as, as the viewer of the film, you're kind of stuck doing that too, because you're, you're getting these experiences, but they're not, um, no one's really a reliable narrator. Like even our, yeah. main, our main character, yeah. uh, Jungu, we're, um, we're seeing the events through his eyes for the most part. Uh, but even he's not sure of what he's actually seeing and what's, you know, if there's a specific truth uh, to, to what's, to what's happening um, because of that, it, it's a more effective as a film. Uh, I think if it mm. went out and told you, here's what the thing is and you, it's just way less like frightening. You know, if, if yeah. they went from the outset and, you know, you were specifically sure that, you know, this one guy is possessed and he's a ghost, um, that's that's creepy, but it's not enough. Uh, that yeah. seed of doubt yeah. going the whole time is way more um, effective as a, a, a tactic to make this sort of film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have to agree. Like, I was constantly second-guessing myself up until, like, the last 15 <laughs> minutes or so, where it sort of became very clear what was the case. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, man. Um, yeah, so this Japanese man showing up, everyone's getting sick, and, well, not everyone, but a significant number of people are getting sick and sort of attacking and killing their families. Um, and Jongu's daughter, Hyojin, is also suddenly displaying a, uh, I would say, a rapid personality change. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's getting very sort of combative and stubborn and hates everything and is suddenly swearing all the time. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. like really striking, though, just what she's saying is not... Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and obviously, and obviously they, they... No, not at all. And, and also the fact you see 
her, you know, before she takes on this uh, yeah, character, yeah. <laughs> she, you know, she's all nice and, you know, she's sort of chilling with her dad and, you know, they have, mm. a, they have a father and daughter relationship. Mm. Um, you know, even when she catches him having it away in the car and things like that, all these, <laughs> these little, you know, comedic moments. But, you no, know, it's nice. Mm. It's, they've got a real nice, you know, bond together. And then she literally turns into the worst teenager you could imagine <laughs> oh, <laughs> in a man. matter of days. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like when when they decided to call this film the Wailing. <laughs> yeah, I've, she's got a pair of lungs on her. Bleach, she? Cool. she was at least. Oh god, it's like a it's like a kettle going off. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's honestly crazy. Um, <laughs> it was. Oh, what's really uh, interesting about that is it's not just her swearing; it's the. Um, I can't even say tone of voice. It's not the tone of voice. It's the actual language. Yeah. Is yeah. What you yeah. Could ever say to someone that's older than you. It's like, yeah. yeah. Gangster speak is the closest. It's just super disrespectful, <laughs> like impolite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sentence endings mm-hmm. and just the whole, the whole thing. It's just, yeah. it sounds, it doesn't translate as well as I think um, it could no. in the subtitles. It's just kind of giving you like this brush language, yeah. but in when you're listening to it in Korean, it's just like, mm. yeah, no one should ever talk to their parents like that. It's, it's like the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't just trans, just doesn't really translate well over to English, which is no. some of this lost in a lot of Japanese and Korean and other uh, Asian horror films. I feel. Yeah. But, I mean, you get the gist of it because it's just you know, the way she sounds and everyone, yeah. the way everyone, um, it's the way people react to how she's speaking is mm-hmm. like, the, I guess, the, the better yeah. cue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think also it's the way he reacts to it as well because he's literally mm. dumbfounded, isn't he? he yeah, even though he's literally just like, so disrespectful. <laughs> you do. What? You, you, yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, there is another mysterious stranger in the, in the mix, though, which is a just a young woman in a white dress. Uh, where is she? Uh, mm-hmm. So apparently her name is Moom Yong, which apparently it's, literally yeah, no means name. no name, no name. in yeah. Korean. Mm. Um, she shows up, like, I think her first scene is she's just gently throwing rocks at the police mm. officers outside one of the houses where an attack happened. Yeah, which, um, which is, which is which, sorry to interject, yeah. I think that's yeah, no, actually, um, that's, there's a theory that's got a biblical sort of uh, relevance to it as well because obviously uh, the film itself about you know god and devil and this yeah, is obviously yeah. about throwing you know literally being able to throw stones and such like mm. so yeah there's just that's supposedly a bit of symbolism there as well that he who is out without sin throw the first stone exactly oh that that's if so that's actually a really good um piece of foreshadowing for you should trust this person <laughs> they're without playing <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's, exactly. that's one of the difficult things about this film. Um, I think going into this uh, outside of a Korean context is you're missing that this film yeah. is combining uh, shamanism, Buddhism, mm. Christianity. It's it's putting it's a big like mixing pot of religions and yeah. folklore yeah. and yeah. the the like the signifiers of those are they're present throughout the film but they're not um like independent yeah. enough 
to where you can just yeah. immediately pick them out and go, oh, that's this. It's like it's just what they've become mm. over the years because there's just so much history tied together. Yeah, um, it makes sense because it's a natural thing. You know, yeah. it's just a natural cultural thing over there, which is cool. Um, I'm glad they sort of kept that in the film instead of trying to make it a little more this is this religion's take on the situation and this is that religion's take on the situation. It's just kind of a thing people do. Like when Hyojin gets sick, her grandma, her grandmother is like, I'm just going to go to a shame and just get the money ready. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's super expensive to, to get yeah, all yeah. these um, 10 million won. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, um, Moom Young is sort of constantly denouncing the Japanese man and saying her grandma told her that he's doing all these bad things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and initially, Jong Gu, Jong I'll get names right one day, I swear. <laughs> um, initially, Jong Gu actually tries to get her as a witness, <laughs> which is funny when she mysteriously disappears, like the ghost that she may or may not be. Uh, <laughs> Um, the, there's also interspersed throughout this a lot of stuff um, with the Japanese man with these sort of red glowing eyes wearing just a simple kind of loincloth thing, uh, eating deer in the forest, you know. It starts with a story from Yongyu and everything's like, you know, oh, I swear, I, I know this guy who he found a dead deer in the forest <laughs> and he was going to take it back and he fell down a cliff and there was the guy. Oh, <laughs> That scene was hilarious where he, he's trying to balance the deer. He's like, whoa, whoa, oh, yeah. whoa. It's like falling down the hill. <laughs> Brilliant. That was great. Um, yeah, but uh, but after hearing this, uh, Zhonggu actually starts having apparently really bad nightmares about this mm-hmm. because he's waking up screaming literally every day. Uh, yeah, with some unsavory language as well when he's waking up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, I would too if I had those kind yeah. of dreams every sure. night. Yeah. Yeah, isn't, yeah. isn't, isn't it the his his other half or the mother and all say like who have you upset to have such yeah or yeah have such bad dreams or something mm, yeah. obviously that's sort of the whole sinning and being a sinner is yeah. quite prevalent throughout so yeah he's that's sort of giving you a slight inkling that's the angle they're going for yeah and yeah so that's kind of stuff that that sort of imagery of the um the Japanese guy uh, mostly naked with glowing red eyes chasing people or deer around was sort of keep itself woven through the rest of the movie. Uh, I, I can't even remember how many times they pull that little card out and go, oh, remember this. He's, he's some kind of creepy ghoul thing. Uh, well, I got to remind you because it was like you know, 45 minutes ago last time you saw it. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I feel I might have forgotten if they hadn't put it in, in as much. Uh, <laughs> Um, but, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, Hyojin gets sick and her grandmother, uh, so Jonggu's mother-in-law, uh, decides to call in a shaman, which is where we get sort of another major player in the supernatural side of things, who is Il Guang, uh, which is, I don't think he's the local shaman because he seems no, to live like a fed no, right away. from far away. But I, I don't know, I, the, when this guy first showed up, I was like, I was kind of really impressed because it feels like the, the Russian gang style. He's like wearing Adidas, <laughs> yeah. Adidas and Nike and stuff, like all suited up. Yeah. And then he pulls it all off and he's got a shaman outfit on. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> like he's, uh, he's clearly doing well for himself off the business. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's so expensive, <laughs> you know. He can afford to deck himself out in 
what are effectively yeah. status symbols. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he comes across with a very big air of confidence and I know what I'm doing. Don't mm. worry. Your, you know, your, your vast amounts of money that you're about to pay me is in good hands. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he like, at least in that part of the movie, sort of shows off that he appears to know what he's doing. You know, he goes outside and immediately locates that they've got a big pot of sauce uh, sitting mm. under a bucket. And he's like, yeah, bring that over here, smashes it, and for some reason there's a dead crow in there. Mm. Uh, oh, very spooky. Um, this is probably all completely out of order, by the way, so if you do watch the movie, uh, be sure to tell me exactly how, mu- how much I messed up the timeline in this sort of general overview. <laughs> it's, it's that sort of film, though, to be fair, too. It's pretty yeah. close. I, but I think this bit might have been after he went to confront the Japanese man a couple of times. I'm not sure. Uh, this is afterward, because mm, he actually yeah. believes enough that he's, you know, willing to scrape together this money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I guess we'll get to that. So the first time, yeah. uh, they find the guy from Beyond Gear's story, who is an actual guy. He was out, and he found a deer, and then he fell and cracked his head, and he says he saw, you know, the Japanese guy being all creepy. Uh, and sure, I guess I'll take you out to the hills where that that old guy's house is. Uh, uh, this a storm starts, of course, because you need to have atmosphere, and nothing's creepier than rain in the forest, dampening all the sound, making sure you can't see anything properly. Um, and once they get to the bottom of the the hill where the old old Japanese guy apparently lives, over the other side of uh, the the man who's guiding them gets kind of stroppy and says he would like to leave now that he's brought them here. And Jongu is like, no, no, you have to come with us, et cetera, et cetera. They get into a bit of a scuffle. Uh, he falls <laughs> over pretty badly. Uh, and this is another comedy bit, uh, but gets up, just walks out, and as he crosses the only clear space in this forest, I must believe, gets hit by lightning. <laughs> and then just kind of just kind of gently turns around, turns back around to the way he was going, sort of stumbles on <laughs> until he collapses. It's so out of place, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, he, he does that look of like, don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and just stumbles yeah. off. It's brilliant. Yeah, and like, later on, you know, they get him to a hospital and he's in intensive care and his wife is like, oh, he's so unfortunate to be struck by lightning. It's so hard. You couldn't get struck by lightning if you tried. I'm like, well, you, you might be able to, but it would be <laughs> difficult, I guess. And then again, he's he only survived because he had his health because he ate all those turtles and snakes to keep yeah. his health up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just kind of more of that that uh, sort of shamanism thing, you know, literally literally a snake oil cure, I guess, in the case of what he was eating. Uh, well, it's not uh, but anyway, it worked. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> If I, if I heard I could survive getting hit by lightning by eating a snake, I would uh, I'd probably still not do it because I love snakes <laughs> much to hurt them like that. Uh, well, you're also not like actively trying. You're not going to eat a snake and then I'm going to go try yeah. to get struck by lightning. That's just... Yeah, that that's is true. Silly. That would just that be odd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so a- anyway, uh, Jong-gu and his police partner have also brought along uh, the police partner's nephew, who is a a priest to be uh, who has also spent some time in Japan. So they're hoping that he can translate for them. Uh, And they, they make it up to the old Japanese guy's house and lo and behold, it's made of evidence. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. 
It is actually, yeah. It's pure yeah. evidence. He, he's it's got this evidence. big room with a padlock on the front. You know, police, we don't need a warrant. We're just going to break <laughs> this padlock. Look inside, and oh, it's a creepy shrine with two with two photos of like old Japanese people and a bunch of deer skulls everywhere and some lit candles. <laughs> and then behind his coat rack, he has a secret compartment just full of photos before and after victims uh, have been sort of made ill and made to do these terrible things, as well as a whole bunch of accoutrements of all the different people. Um, and Jonggu's partner is the one who finds this room as uh, as the old Japanese guy turns up and his dog gets loose and attacks the priests and everything's all over the place. <laughs> and they're just kind of all gently apologizing and Jonggu's partner's just standing there in front of the open murder cabinet just... Looking very shocked. The open murder cabinet. <laughs> what a dude. It's always named. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they, they go on their way after that uh, without any particular confrontation with the old man. Um, but Jonggu's partner is really shocked because in, in the hidden murder cabinet, as I've apparently dubbed it, uh, there was a shoe belonging to Kyojin, uh, Jonggu's daughter, and this is when she gets sick, effectively. Yeah. Is what, or, well, she started getting sick just before this, but yeah. But this is like showcasing. Yeah. It's um, it's like the idea of sympathetic magic, where you're doing yeah, uh, yeah. a bad thing to an item or a good thing. I mean, in some cases, but that mm. affects the person that's it belongs to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and also, it makes it personal now as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. His daughter's involved. Now he's going to get real angry about all this, etc. Um, and he does get very angry about this after gathering some more information about all these rumors about the Japanese guy. Actually, goes back uh, with the uh, with the soon to be priest, uh, and you know starts yelling and threatening him and saying, you know, you've got to leave. Why won't you leave, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and the dog breaks free uh, as Jonggu sort of smashes up the man's shrine. Uh, John is also angry because the guy has burned up all the evidence from the uh, from the murder cabinet. Which, why did you keep it in the first place? But I guess you didn't expect anyone to find it. It was it was fairly well hidden. Um, <laughs> uh, but he, he, he gets John Goo get yeah yeah and got a lock on it. You know, yeah, and the dog. Yeah. But yeah, he has not has none of those things anymore, unfortunately, because uh no. John Goose smashes up the shrine and this to be fair, pisses the dog off to no end, and the dog comes mm. at him and John Goo has a mattock or a pickaxe of some kind, and the, the, this movie does kill a dog, also mm. if you're not into movies like that. It was, I'm sure, a very scary dog by Korean standards, but I liked it. It was a good dog. Uh, yeah. It was just it's not doing its, its job. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. not the dog's fault. It's owned by like a serial murderer demon thing. Uh, <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I must admit when that I hate when those sort of things happen in movies. I know it's, you know, fair effect yeah. and things like that, but it's that, there's that little pang of like, mm, no, mm, no, the dog was yeah. only doing this too deep. <laughs> no. But, no. Yeah. So bad. Uh, yeah, but th- this is the point where um, Jonggu has really sinned and done significant harm to someone, effectively. Uh, 
after which they get the shaman round because Hyojin is getting really sick now and she's seriously misbehaving, yelling her head off at all times and eating the entire supply of fish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She's very hungry. I I liked that scene actually because it was really creepy to me because you know like Hyojin's not in her room even though she was sick and just walks into the into the dining room there she is sat and her mother and her grandmother are sitting there just looking at her in this kind of weird shock Mm. because she's got a pile of like dismembered cooked fish that she's just been chewing through Uh, (laughs) I I think it's the way she's eating it as well she's just like stuffing her face and she's still like putting more in while she's still chewing the previous bit yeah yeah And they they have more of this later in the film, but mm. like you know, they, they Jonggu makes the point like I've never even seen her eat fish before. She doesn't like it, um, <laughs> things like that. So she's changing even more. This is where we get the shaman in, uh, and we get more of that sympathetic magic here, which was really cool and interesting because um, we get a scene that's sort of a two way ritual because we have the shaman at Jonggu's house trying to exorcise Hyojin. And we have the Japanese man who's bought six black chickens um, and is attempting to do something with um, another victim's body uh, somewhere. Uh-huh. And this is where this- things. This was going to yeah. say this is where things get clever because obviously you think. Well, it's a bit difficult until we get to the end bit where it obviously becomes uh, more yeah. apparent. But you know, the, yeah. this scene is. You know, you think the shaman is. You know, obviously trying to exercise the the little girl and. Obviously, like the almost like the Japanese guys trying to combat the you know, the shaman yeah. at the same time, which yeah. is obviously all yeah. part of this massive bit of misdirection, which obviously mm. clearly is not the case <laughs> when we get to the last <laughs> half an hour. Yeah, uh, but it, it's interesting. It's this big, big ritual. You know, they're burning a bonfire and they've got all this food and all these offerings out, and the shaman is dancing around with knives, <laughs> uh, slapping Georgian with them, mm-hmm. which seems very dangerous, but. You know, yeah, those are actually like they did really good with the um depiction of the shaman. The cultural effects. These are correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know about the I, slapping. I don't part, know if it, they about you. Got... Use a lot of knives. And <laughs> they dance on them, and they'll step on the yeah. knives and all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say I don't know about you guys, but watching that, it was very intense. You know, that mm. whole because you, you know because you do it's not it's one of those scenes where they could have made it relatively short and just. Then obviously concluded it, but it went on for quite a while. Yeah. And obviously, her, you know, the little girl screaming, and obviously the shaman, go, you know, really stepping up to a level each time. And then obviously the Japanese man, obviously keeling over in pain um, yeah. at his end. And it's yeah. you know, it just really, really feels, you know, yeah, intense. Well, really. if anything, this it. ritual when they're depicting it is much shorter than it actually is. These are like day long yeah. events usually. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you can actually watch some of the rituals that are on YouTube, um, and they have modern day mm. uh, yeah performances of the rituals. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I really liked it because I'm I'm obviously coming into this with no sort of like cultural knowledge of a lot of Korean stuff. Uh, but the the initial conclusion I came to was they're trying to exercise the demon from Kyojin mm-hmm. and. This and they're also trying to permanently kill the demon. It looks like because they have like a wooden statue of him. They're driving metal stakes into it, and everything is obviously causing the old man pain in the sort of the flash between scenes. And what I thought the Japanese guy was initially was doing was he had this body 
of one of the victims in a truck out somewhere. And he, you know, set up candles around. He was doing all this stuff with live chickens. And I thought that he was attempting to redirect the exorcism to the body over there is where I came into it as sort of like an outsider. Well, that's sort of half true, I think, Mm because I think, you know, the actual point of what he's doing, which is actually technically separate to what the shaman's doing, that obviously Mm -hmm. he's, you know, he's in pain because obviously the, I think there's a transfer from, you know, the demon to, well, he's, he's raising that guy that you're talking about in the truck, isn't he? Sort of, yeah, he's turning him into a zombie. Zombie, yeah. You know, so I think that's, yeah, I think, but I think that's what the director's trying to make you believe that there is that, you know, transference from one to the other. But yeah, it's sort of half yeah. truth, I think. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, John Gu loves his daughter too much, and this ritual is causing a lot of pain, so he destroys the entire thing. She seems to be in the <laughs> habit of that, just breaking everything that he can. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and takes Shioshin to hospital instead. Um, and then he gets all the boys, and they're going to go on an old Japanese manhunt, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really weird seeing, because like, they all load up in a ute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a truck yeah. a truck for you Americans, I guess. Uh, big flatback vehicle. Uh, they've just got rakes and shovels and not any actual weapons or anything. <laughs> um, yeah, run up run up to the old guy's house. Uh, he's not there. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but they see, like, the remains of the ritual he did the previous night with all the chickens and everything uh, and encounter the, the zombie that he made, which is really durable. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting adjective. <laughs> A really durable zombie. It's, no, you're right. He's a strong yeah, it boy. It is. They like they stick a rake in its head and everything. He's a very strong boy. Uh, <laughs> busting, busting sticks like it's nothing. Um, it, it's a weird scene because initially, you know, it's like, uh, okay, there's this weird drunk or sick guy. We're just like, how is it? How are you doing, sir? It's like you're not the guy we're looking for. And then he attacks them because he's a zombie, and they're like, oh, okay, I guess we'll fight him. And then the priest guy's like, what are you doing to this poor man? No, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and then it'll start to get and it's it's just them basically beating it with sticks and not having much effect is what it comes down to you know it gets like a rake stuck in its head and everything but it's just they're just not terribly effective at taking out this zombie um, and, then, and also it's, it, it's a, almost a recreation of what happens earlier with John Guay I'll see that woman zombie is mm. on top of her it was on top of him and you know he's like panicking going oh I don't know yeah. what to do and then yeah. Same up again. It's just again, just demonstrating. He just he's so out of his depth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, a, but a kind of kind of a tough yeah. scene. I mean, they played they played parts of it for laughs, but then people were getting killed, mm. so it wasn't funny. Yeah. Um. It was yeah. just like a cognitive, like mm-hmm. a, a dissonant tone that this had. Uh, yeah. I don't know. They some of the movie it needed to have a little bit of humor because this is. Overall, mm. it's a pretty dark story, and it's very violent. <laughs> it is. I guess we are downplaying that it's really gory. <laughs> um, a lot of blood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, yeah. You're like, it's okay. That's kind of funny, and then wow, that's no, not funny. Uh, it's he's dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so that was interesting. I think in in this section in particular. Ah, uh, but they managed to defeat the zombie. <laughs> Eventually, like this, this scene feels like it drags on a little bit. Uh, um, and they, they catch sight of the old Japanese guy and start chasing him through the forest. And this 
this section really had me convinced that he was not in the wrong because he sure he made a zombie, but I think he made it to protect himself because look what happened the next day. Mm. Yeah. He's he's an he's an old man being chased through the woods by a bunch of villagers who just you know they're basically being very yeah. xenophobic throughout the well, like that Japanese guy, rapes guy women, et he's cetera, et very scared at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. he is incredibly <laughs> scared. Like you know, he runs off a cliff effectively and hides by clinging to a rock under a, under an overhang, mm. and he he is terrified by every look on his face, <laughs> which to me suggests that the devil inside him is sort of leaving. That you know mm. the, the 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 real Japanese you know the, obviously the devil's taken over this Japanese man and he's yeah. now sort of going reverting back to his normal way and that he's like what what's going on what am I in the middle of here and that's why he's just yeah. panicking and running yeah or maybe after the partial exorcism it just wasn't didn't have a very particular stronghold on him for a little bit yeah yeah, yeah true possibly um, but you know he gets away um, and everyone is driving back home to the village when he just falls out of the sky onto the <laughs> onto the hood of the car. Um, fell off and, the mountain, but that's yeah, what it looks like. But like the the way it initially looks is it looks like he just falls out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um you know the camera pans up the up the mountainside and you see uh Mum Yong is standing up there so the impression is impression is that she finally found him and just kind of shoved him. And it just happened to be at the right moment for them to hit him with the car. Uh, but he appears to be dead and they're, they're all fine with that because that was what they went out there to do because they believe that he's the cause of all this evil in the village. And so they just kind of drag his body to the side of the road and push it down another set of cliffs. <laughs> yeah. Not, Which, not the most clean cleanup. Uh, no, I mean, and this is what, when we get to the bit later with the uh, the, the young woman, the no name, mm. uh, when they were obviously talking about, or when she's having a conversation with him about being a sinner, this is sort of, mm. I think, what it's relating to. Where, you know, when he goes, what have I done wrong? It's actually this bit where he's just mm. chucked the guy off the side of, the, you know, and just dumped the yeah. body off the side of the mountain. Yeah. He the, could have the, done, done things right. Yeah. Th- there are a few parts where I might consider that he did some wrong. Uh, well, yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> he's not sin free. <laughs> no, um, you know they they go home. Uh, Il Guang is uh, suspecting that they got the wrong person. Uh, so the shaman is like, I don't know if you got the wrong guy. And Jong is like, Well, my daughter appears to be all better, apart from still having a little bit of a skin rash thing going. So it, it, who knows? Um, and uh, Mu Myung actually sort of wards demon, uh, wards Il Guang off from uh, the house like she's there and he you know she makes him like start vomiting blood and stuff it's actually again kind of freaky because mm. he just gets this horrendous nosebleed initially and it's yeah. kind of ridiculous it was like the scene in Team America where he just keeps puking because this mm. is like <laughs> yeah 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 like it leaves a big sort of puddle streak all the way down the down, road. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what, I think that's, that's what like I was... blood. It's <laughs> it was mm. uh, it was gross, but yeah, yeah definitely. But it was gross. a combination, wasn't it? Because it's like no, it's blood out of his nose, but mm. bloody vomit that's literally yeah. mixing and like you said, it's just streaking down the the hill, which is a really yeah. powerful looking scene, actually. Mm. Yeah. Um. 
uh, you know, so so um, Il Gong is sort of warded off from the house by Mugyong, and uh, Jonggu goes back to the house and finds that Hyojin has actually gone missing uh, again. <laughs> uh, that girl just can't stop running out of the house when she's <laughs> just gone back from the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so he, he runs off looking for her and finds Mumyong again, uh, who tells her, tells him rather, pardon me, tells him that, uh, she has laid a trap for the demon at his house. And that as long as he stays here until, um, a rooster crows three times, everything will be fine. And his family won't be horribly murdered. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and this segment I really, really like cause this was the bit where I had, not really any idea of whether Mumyong or the old Japanese guy were the villains, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because you get Jonggu and Mumyong are sort of just talking and she's doing her absolute best to convince him to stay put no matter what. Uh, but throughout the scene, she's sort of slowly turning gray and dead looking yep. in her skin color as well, which was really interesting. Uh, but this is interspersed with um, Hyojin's mother and grandmother sort of, uh, seeing her return and just start eating everything in the fridge, <laughs> <laughs> like and all this stuff. Yeah. And obviously, at the same time, you've got the the uh, deacon uh, mm. in the cave yeah. with, the, with his with his camera, isn't he? With the yeah. uh, with the Jap- well appears to be the the Japanese man again, who's now supposedly survived. But I mean, realistically, he is dead. And obviously, this is actually the devil, just yeah, using yeah. his form now. Yeah, which I really liked that scene as well because you know the the priest has come with with a scythe, like a farming scythe, not a ridiculous uh, fantasy scythe, but he's, he's like come a with a scythe. Yeah, a sickle or a scythe, you know, like a set of rosary beads and stuff. And you know, it's like, tell me who you are. And he's like, you don't want to know who I am. You just want me to confirm that I'm a demon, etc. Like, oh yeah, no, nah, he somehow alive, but they did say he was a monk. Maybe it's still some supernatural thing, and he is actually the good guy. And then, like, it pans over, and this uh, this Japanese guy is, I think, naked because he's just shrouded himself in a blanket. Uh, but it, you know, the the priest like, no, just just tell me who you are, and I'll go and I'll leave you alone. And the Japanese guy just starts laughing, <laughs> <laughs> and just goes, "Who says I'll let you go?" And it pans over, and there's like a little camera on a rock next to him. I'm like, ah, shit, it was him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's a very long played out scene where it's constantly cutting mm-hmm. between all of them. But this is where it's really hitting its its maximum. Yeah. It's, it really does well because, like I said, you, at this point you're still going, well, "Who is the bad person in this?" I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, you're literally swapping between them, and obviously you got another key point that the the young woman is wearing, obviously the clothes of and trinkets of some of the other victims, isn't she? Which mm-hmm. obviously isn't what causes uh, John Gu to go back to his house. Because I suppose he's also in a funny situation because obviously, you know, even though she is the good person in this, that and obviously mm. by her going, well, just stay put, don't do anything. You know, that's yeah. not how it usually works. He's like probably thinking, no, that's not, I should go back and help. And she's yeah. going, no, just, yeah. just stay here, don't worry. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's not- if I'm re- yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, she's like part of her, her sort of persuade, uh, persuasion attempt here is, she she talks about how all this happening is sort of a punishment for Jonggu's sins. And when he asks, what have I done wrong? She, done wrong, she says, you don't believe in people. You doubt everyone. And mm. so this is, like a te- this is like a test of faith moment is what I yeah, took it as. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 
can you believe someone who you have no particular reason to believe, I should add, mm-hmm. for long enough to actually potentially save your family? And you know that there's always the test. And he, this is a horror film through and through. Uh, he fails the test, the rooster crows <laughs> twice, and he sort of tears himself away to run back to his family. And as he passes under the trap uh, that uh, Mumyong set, which is it's a prayer rope, I think. It's just a rope with like talismans and dry and well, not dried, but live herbs hanging mm. from it. But as he passes under it, all the, all the plants on it wither and die. And this <clears> is a super trap breaking. That's the trap breaking. It is yeah. also an incredibly long piece of foreshadowing because in the first 10 minutes of the film, that exact same plant was shown shriveled up on the house of the first victim. Yes. And implies that, Mumyong has been trying to save everyone who's been who's had family members growing ill because of this, and they are all just failing this test over and over again. <laughs> Which, like, I saw that, I was like, that is the longest set I've ever seen. That was like a two-hour and forty-minute <laughs> setup. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hyojin, possessed by the devil, has killed her mother and grandmother with a kitchen knife. In an incredibly gory fashion, like there is blood everywhere. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we cut back to the priest and the Japanese man, and the Japanese guy is just chuckling. So I was like, "Why do they always panic when they figure it out?" And he's working the shutter on the camera, but he's got these long, gnarled fingernails now, and you see his face, and he's like sprouting little horns, and his eyes are turning red, and he's basically turning into like a sort of generic. Japanese Oni, mm-hmm. what I would say is like the visual inspiration. Uh, Dave, yeah. what do you think? No, that's what I would, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, and he's taking more and more photos of the priest as he gets more and more terrified and the Japanese guy gets more and more demonic looking. Um, and then we get the, the sort of the sort of sting is um, we get Il Guang uh, walking into Jonggu's house and taking photos of all the victims. Uh, which he was the missing piece of the puzzle. How did the old Japanese guy get all those photos of the victims immediately after they were killed when he was nowhere near to the scene? Is because Il Guang was coming through and working with him, apparently. Which, fair. Yeah, I'm not sure his particular motivation in that, but money. I guess not getting possessed and killed by a demon money. Yeah. No, I think like he, money. He's, he's, a very, he's yeah. He basically setting up situations where people pay him to come oh yeah help them yeah. exercise uh, the possessions mm-hmm. and yeah i can uh, see that as a good motivation he'll get sure. he'll get paid and well in this case he didn't but he generally mm-hmm. would get paid and i guess in maybe some cases um stop the thing from happening but in others just if everyone's dead he can just get all the money yeah 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 true yeah and obviously with the camera significance obviously he's basically taking the souls yeah. for the devil. Yeah, yeah. Which is really cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah and, that, um... that, that is sort of the... <laughs> really? Isn't it? I don't forget anything. It's, it's the end of the film, other than um, yeah. jong uh, He's... Wailing. He's been, like, <laughs> and he's dying. And he yeah. just does, like, a... Uh... It's, I don't know, it's really weird, because it doesn't flashback to anything bad it flashes back to like if he hadn't screwed everything up because he basically just made all the wrong mm. decisions um and it, yeah 
yeah. uh, I guess ironically is showing him what would have happened or what he could have continued to mm. have had he done the right thing. Um, yeah. yeah. In, the, in the three or four like, chances he had to like not screw up his life and kill everyone. Yeah. And like a lot, a lot of them were that you shouldn't doubt people things like if halfway through the exorcism, he hadn't destroyed the entire exorcism. It's entirely possible that he would have been one of the cases where, you know, Ilwang successfully exercised the demon and moved on and think that, you know, various things like that. Like this movie is very firmly centered around the whole idea of you shouldn't doubt people and you should trust people like to an extent. Um, <laughs> not like just like needlessly trust everyone, but like if some if someone knows something you don't, you should listen to them about it. Mm-hmm. And if someone's doing their job and you don't know anything about their job, you should let them do their job. Is I think essentially what this film comes down to, mm. and also <laughs> naivety as well, because he he just mm. like I said, he's always it's almost like he he doesn't look at things in the correct way. He's always looking at things and and sort of just reacting. And and obviously that's where a part of his goofiness and the comedic mm. moments. That, yeah, I mean, he's basically just sort of highlight that an adult child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, that probably mm. brings us to um, Moo Myung, um, the the ghost yeah. of the uh, the story. It's my my impression, or I guess the the reading that I get of this is she's mm. not one specific ghost. She's no. the collective ghost of all the murdered victims, and are trying to get retribution mm. um, for their their death, and then prevent. Um, you know, for further yeah. uh, calamities from happening. And that's why, you know, that's why mm-hmm. it's mm. Moom Young and not a specific name. And also yeah. why she has, and why she uh, has all trinkets. of the, uh, the she's, those are the yeah. things that I think that hold her here. Yeah. Yeah. Now I can definitely see that. That's not a bad interpretation. Actually. I like that. Cause <laughs> She certainly seems overcome by despair as soon as Jongu sort of rushes away to attempt to save his family. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how him staying there would have saved them, uh, like how the demon trap was meant to work, but uh, I'm not particularly well-versed in that. I was going to say as well that obviously he, when she touches him or she grabs his arm, doesn't she, before mm. let's go away. And obviously her being a ghost, and make a, obviously well, the shaman makes a point, obviously ghosts don't have any physical side mm. to them so you know is she is she just in is the the ghost or the collection of the collective of the ghosts so they sort of you would believe that they're mm. you know in control of this body of her body she's just another i don't you know i don't because it seems a bit ambiguous that was all yeah, yeah i'm not sure they could be pulling from um other other aspects and maybe the idea of uh items themselves having uh a spirit yeah, and yeah. That's she might not point. even yeah. be a, like a a ghost specifically of you know these human spirits. It could be the the energy of the, the you know the bad things that have happened to these items, um, not wanting that to to reoccur. Yeah, mm, definitely. I I did really like the um the Christian imagery they pulled in at the end as well, where um the Japanese man is reciting. Uh, the things Jesus said to his disciples after the resurrection, you know, like, touch me. I am flesh and bone. I'm not a ghost. Is there? And like, 
illusions like a stigmata in one of his hands to try, try and kind of lure the priest in. <laughs> I think there's, um, I think right at the start when they're doing the, the opening scene, I think, isn't there a, a uh, passage out of the Bible right at the start? I think there is. Yeah, no, it, it was that, it was that passage they read yeah. out at the start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which again, long long plays in this movie. <laughs> Massive, yeah. <laughs> they make some they make some long foreshadowing attempts. <laughs> yeah, this is a film you should definitely take notes in, even when you're not trying to do it for a podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, so it's, it's only to remember exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's uh, not super in depth, but somewhat in depth of the film. Yeah, it's very good. We did it. We did it in much less of the actual time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, now, Dave, I believe you had something you believe uh, ties in with this. Yeah, um, here is a uh, an older tale. Um, it looks like it was originally transcribed uh, in South Kyungsung Province in 1973, but it's a it's a folk tale. Oh, it's short, so I'll just read the entirety of it. Um, mm. The tale yeah, yeah. is uh, entitled uh, A Reincarnated Boy. Once there was a boy who died. While his spirit was on its way to heaven, it fell back down to earth. The boy's spirit then returned to his home, but he found that his uncle had already buried his body. The boy's spirit went to the uncle and asked, Why did you bury me so early? Thereafter, the uncle got mentally ill, and at last his family called in a Mudang. Mudang's the shaman. Uh, the Mudang knew that the illness was the mischief of the boy's spirit. She locked all the doors of the room. Then she put a jar in the room and read out a spell. While the shaman was reciting the spell, the spirit of the boy felt so hot that he could not bear it. There was no place to escape, and, the last spirit, and at last the spirit entered into the jar. The shaman then put the lid on tightly and buried the, da- the jar under a dike. The spirit of the boy, which was locked up, looked for a chance to escape. Some years afterwards, the dike broke apart. The jar was also broken. The boy's spirit was able now to wander about. The spirit of the boy went to a place where, the, where a man had died and where the people of the house were performing a funeral service. As soon as the spirit of the boy entered the dead body, the man returned to life. However, he was an adult only physically, but not an adult mentally. Some while later, mm-hmm. he came back to his own home. His parents were surprised to see the man whose voice was like their dead son's voice but who was an adult physically. Mm. So I think that, that is, this, this ties in a little bit to the way that the possessions are portrayed um, in, in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, that's a... Hmm. Sorry, just like the thoughts on what we were saying significantly earlier about um how Hyojin talks once she's possessed and she's using all the sort of the wrong way to talk to someone older than you. Uh, if she's possessed by the demon who is undoubtedly older than everyone there, maybe it's not even intentionally being antagonistic like that. It's just how it talks. Yeah, that's a fair point. Mm. Oh, that was an interesting little tale. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I, I would I would guess our unified overall thoughts on this film. Very long, one, most important point. Uh, <laughs> two, very good. Um, you should definitely watch it if you can set aside like two and a half hours. 
a few minutes to think about it after work yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. contemplate <laughs> yeah, just but it's also because it's, yeah. it's, it's a horror mm. film as well because obviously you're just not used to horror being that long <laughs> just yeah, not. they usually yeah. usually cap an hour and a half and that's it <laughs> need to decompress a little bit as well <laughs> yeah it, it definitely sustains really well like i was interested through the entire thing but there were just points where like oh god there's like another hour left how what's the next <laughs> twist gonna be <laughs> and then it saves it all for the last bit as well oh <laughs> yeah well i think if you don't look at the progress bar it's fine you won't notice yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's only what you exactly what i did for like the deposit. first hour <laughs> <laughs> But please, oh. yes, watch it and uh, let us know if you have a different interpretation of the ending of the film. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I think, I yeah, think there's some room, um, there's room to see maybe what the motivations of Ilguang were and um, mm. Mm. maybe even uh, enlighten us on the effects of the two simultaneous rituals because, it's, it's, I don't know, it didn't jive fully, I think, with the way we were reading it. As far as what Ilgun oh, is yeah. doing, I'm, I'm, um, and how that yeah, plays sure. into him being an accomplice of these um, these murders, like mm. why was he getting the photographs? Yeah. What, what what is his? What's he doing? Yeah, yeah. like I, the only thing I can think of besides like money from more work is like he's actually getting the power to do this from the devil, who is not is uncertain. Yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe it's maybe it's giving him. Um, actual mm. you know uh, powers. shamanistic powers mm. yeah um there's plenty open to interpretation in this film yeah. so absolutely yeah <sighs> i kind of want to watch it again um mm. but i definitely should not right now uh, <laughs> no tonight. not that <laughs> like no Right, so it's it, like I said, it, it, it's good because it it just has a totally different take on things. I think the director just try was trying to cram in as much as they possibly could, and even then, yeah, two yeah. and a half hours couldn't cover everything. Because like you said, there's still a lot of things that are unanswered. The fever itself, the zombie side of mm. things, um, like I said, the the dual risk, um, rituals happening at the same time. Yeah. You know, there's a few, it could do with. <laughs> like an extended <laughs> version. Yeah, I would like to direct this cut. Like yeah, is that four-hour yeah. long uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings <laughs> epic? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, it it is a very good film. Uh, just pulling from the Wikipedia page, um, a film critic called Jada Yan describes the film as operating on a level that makes most American cinema seem clunky and unimaginative. I um, agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't disagree. It does. It just does so much. It's not derivative, <laughs> and that's what's nice. It's doing its own. Yeah, there's um, also that. Uh, we'd be remiss in uh, leaving out the director's name. So it's uh, Na Hyung Jin, um, who also re- mm. directed the stellar um, film The Chaser. It's very good. It's a, it's mm. a police um, murder mystery, sort of. Film. Okay. Um, and then another cool. one, Yellow Sea, which I did not watch, so I'm, I'm not sure how that one plays out. But uh, if mm. if those two films are any indication, I'm sure it's also uh, really well regarded. Mm. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, I think that more or less wraps us up then. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll do one small interjection. I guess it's not Ooh. small, but it's Go a slight it. interjection. I watched the... Uh, 
Thai film, um, Ghost House, which I guess technically isn't actually a Thai film. The directors aren't Thai, but uh, the mm. what's dealing with Thai folklore and mythology. Um, the long and short of it is these uh, two uh, American tourists are on holiday in Thailand and they run afoul of a, a ghost and um, mm. it's uh, pulled up um, so the I guess the large part of it as the the film centers around these well Ooh. ghost house um there are little shrines that are in front of homes buildings um throughout the countryside that are stand stand in houses for ghosts the, the ghosts they're, they're built so the ghosts have a place to reside and not um hmm. bother people in their actual homes and as long as yeah. you uh perform it's, it's, small ritual just kind of putting like it looks like food um maybe like jaw sticks little um things like that mm. uh, on the houses it keeps the ghosts placated um however the the couple um run into another pair of um tourists these uh two british lads that uh promise to like take them out to um they found it. They found a particularly interesting, like it's a ghost house graveyard. Uh, it's a place where the the locals have taken, um, I guess, retired um, ghost houses to to, to place them mm. and uh, have a specific spirit um, tend to them to keep it occupied. Um, it's one that's particularly, yeah. um, I guess, egregious in its uh, bothering people. So they give it all of these ghost houses that it has to watch over and it leaves the, the general populace alone um, in doing so. Okay. Uh, but what they do is the, uh, the two British gentlemen um, take part of the, uh, the, the couple, men and a woman, take her scarf and put it on uh, a little effigy um, on one mm -hmm. of the particular houses and they don't like they do this secretly where they, the the couple can't see them and then they they come up to the the house they bring them over to it and um they basically say oh look uh you guys should have a uh, like a memento of your your trip to thailand and you know n nothing's more like these houses are all discarded like no one's using them so here's a little like figurine and it has a neat little scarf and the girl um I don't think she recognizes that it's hers because it's, it's just a, a torn mm. strip of cloth at this point. And um, she, of course, picks up the, um, the little figure um, and then ends up dropping it because the two the, the two British lads like just start booking it. They just run um, the second that she picks it up. And so, <laughs> of course, the couple's. They've been, they're out in the middle of nowhere. They're driven, it doesn't say how long they were driving, but it's like 30, 40 minutes, maybe an hour outside of, um, you know, mm. they were in Bangkok or something. So they're just in the middle of nowhere in some place they don't know in a field or I guess in the woods. 
and um, the dudes that drove them there just like leave and get in the van and just race off. So they're freaking out. Um, and what it, it, it turns out that uh, the thing that she picked up, since it belongs to the house and you've disturbed the little house, the, it makes the, the ghost angry, of course, because <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that. And um, what happens, I guess the lore within the film is that if the homes that a ghost is using are moved or defiled in any way, uh, the ghost can't use it and they can't find it and they need a place to go. The place they pick generally is the person who messed with the little shrine. And I don't know if it's intentional uh, or if it's a um, like a conceit of the film, but the way that the houses are structured um, and the size of them, they're roughly the size of like a human head. And the little door on there is, mm-hmm. I guess, a mouth analog. But the ghost tries to enter people through their mouth as well. And it looks a lot like the door on the oh. house. Um, okay. So, of course, the... <laughs> creepily possesses the the girl and the the rest of the film is her um fiance trying to save her from this possession because it's, they're of course they're they're given a like a three day um window to where if it if the possession goes on longer than three days it's done the ghost will take your soul and mm. um just completely possess your body and there's no way to reverse it at that point so the the, the film is uh I don't know. It leans a little bit heavily on standard, I guess, horror fare. Uh, they play a lot with that idea of a long-haired ghost. Uh, there's a lot of, I guess, the cinematography reminds me of like The Grudge and The Ring. So it harkens yeah. back to a good, yeah. you know, 15 years ago, um, Japanese horror. Uh, or if anyone's seen the film, um, Shudder. So that one's a Thai film, so that actually has mm. a little bit more of a tie-in. Um, yeah, it's similar to that <laughs> uh, pun not intended. I don't know. I, sure. I really en- I enjoyed it. The, they did use a combination of practical effects and CG for the ghost, but I think the point that relates this more specifically to what we just covered is the um, the ghost in question is a the ghost of a Japanese woman who married a Thai man and due to his um, infidelity, uh, she ended up trying to burn him and his mistress down in the house, but only succeeded in like burning herself to death. Uh, And that's why she's angry. But yeah, it was just odd that I, I watched this kind of on a lark and I was like, well, there's another Japanese ghost in another country. (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that fits together really well. So I, uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, that's cool. About it. Yeah, good addition. Yeah. Oh well. All right then. With that, I believe we are now true, well and truly done <laughs> with the whaling. Um, it's not been quite as long as the film itself, fortunately. So <laughs> people think, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Getting on with the end of the show, uh, Dave. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at sentinut underscore plus. That's pretty much where I'm at. Uh, I also do another podcast uh, on Kung Fu films entitled Crouching Tiger Hidden Podcast. It's on iTunes, so it's not all that hidden, but 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's on this little program known as iTunes. It'd be, a, it'd be a bit less hidden with some five star reviews. It was, ah. or any any reviews at all, um, or just come yeah. to us and send us some comments. Uh, same goes for Monster Monster, of course. Yeah, yeah. Def- definitely listen. Uh, that's a that's a staff started podcast featuring such people as a uh, Charles Vader from Dark Insight Podcast. Mm. Uh, yeah, dig dig your ears into that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Hello, wait, uh, Matt. Where can we find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, you can find me on the good old Twitter dot com at Ninja Badger Seven Number Seven. Uh, talking to Dark Insight, you can find me on there as well on occasion. Mm. Um, really? And you can find me on another podcast called Realm and Ruin. That yep. I think Cameron, you know something about. Cause, yeah, uh, no, oh, what I, are you I, doing I, with me? Um, I've, I've heard one or two episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, an, uh, you know, up and coming show uh, about all things in Alberta, Warhammer. Canada. <laughs> yeah, in Alberta, Canada, according to the statistics, <laughs> <laughs> number one fans there. Uh, but yeah, you can find us on Twitter and and such like. Mm. Um, how about you, Cameron? Uh, well, you can find me also on Twitter while we're at it. Uh, you you can find me under the the handle of at night underscore twin. That's night without a K. Uh, you can also find this very podcast on Twitter. Uh, just look for at mon underscore d monster. Now, this is a special call out. Send us feedback about Pacific Rim Uprising. Uprising? Yeah, Uprising. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Uh, I just had a moment of self-doubt. Um, so clearly, <laughs> I'm going to be visited by a Japanese demon uh, seeking to test me for a bit of self-doubt. Um, yeah, no, uh, please send us stuff about Pacific Rim Uprising. Uh, yes. Because we'd love to do a show on it, and we would love to have people's opinions on that show. Mm. Uh, we, we can't just be an echo chamber with uh, the three of us forever. um with that uh i believe that is the actual end of the show i know we've been teasing you with it for the last hour and 20 minutes just like Uh, watching the whaling (laughs) 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 exactly um but yeah uh we look forward to bringing you the next episode in this delicious media train we call the monster dear monster podcast uh until then Ta-ra. Bye-bye. Goodbye.